It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast from Sports Social, keeping you up to date with the latest news and opinion from the English top flight. And the back pages today tell us that there's a new sheriff in town in the city of Nottingham. Jesse Lingard has agreed to sign for Forest for the upcoming Premier League season. It's a big coup for the newly promoted side, but will it pay off? We'll look at that transfer news as well as the West Ham reaction, who we know have been interested in Lingard for ages and have now missed out. Not only that deal, but other moves both completed and in the pipeline to discuss on today's show, with Brighton rejecting Man City's £30 million bid for Mark Kukurea, former Burnley boy Ben Mee signing for Brentford, and a report from Spain saying that Manchester United target Frankie de Jong doesn't really like Manchester or how things are done at United. Pretty brutal, if you ask me. Not only will we get stuck into that, but we'll get stuck into Everton too, as the Toffees were tonked earlier this week in pre-season by MLS side Minnesota United. 4-0 they lost. There are some who say pre-season doesn't really mean anything, but just how at risk are Everton of another crippling campaign? Welcome to Football Social Daily, an award-winning podcast. Three shows a week for now, but only for a fortnight, as soon we'll be back to our usual schedule during the season, which starts on the 6th of August, a new show every day of the campaign. So keep up to date by following our new Twitter handle, which is at FSDpod. And of course, subscribe and get this show direct to your inbox every time a new show's released. My name's Niall, by the way, and with me for the ride today, we've got Joel and Marley. Morning, fellas. Morning, guys. You all right? Good morning. I'm just I'm just laughing at the fact that like four days ago, we were all complaining so much about the heat, and now I need Noah's Ark outside my window right now because it's <laughs> absolutely bucketing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good thunderstorm to clear away that excess heat in the air. We're back to back to business as usual, and soon we'll be back to business as usual on the podcast as well. As I mentioned just there, 6th of August, the start of the new season. And from that day, we'll be back to daily podcasts covering the Premier League, all the news and opinion right here 
here on Football Social Daily. If you're new around here, thanks for choosing us. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss one. We are the only podcast that does a daily show covering all things Premier League. We'll be taking it right throughout the season, through all the international breaks. We might even be taking it through the World Cup as well. So as I say, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss anything. Now, if you are a Premier League fan, you will have noticed that yesterday, Nottingham Forest confirmed the signing of free agent Jesse Lingard after he left Manchester United at the end of last season. A big, big signing for a newly promoted team. Forest haven't been in the Premier League since the turn of the century. 23 years. 99 was the last year they were a Premier League side. Now they're back. Obviously, they're going to try and keep themselves up. That's the big aim. It looks like this is a year-long deal, Marley. Regardless of all the nuts and bolts of the deal that we'll get into shortly, this is a big signing for Nottingham Forest. Yeah, it's a massive signing for them. Um, it's it's a weird one, really. I, I didn't see it coming. And then I, when I heard it was linked, I, I maybe thought it was just... Uh, West Ham trying to, um, you know, when West Ham were dragging their feet, I mean, thought maybe it was like a, a, a bit of a ploy to to make them get their backsides in gear and uh, um, get a deal done for him because they've been they've been flirting around him for you know best part of a year now. So it always looked like he was going to go there. Then he was linked with other places, but you know, Forrest have uh, have jumped to the front of the queue purely by by bending over and saying, "How much do you want? Sign your own checkbook, mate," because. We want you. I mean, if you just look at the deal, I mean, it's a one-year deal. So he's going to be in the exact situation as he is now next summer if, if Forrest go down, or even if they don't go down, because it's still only there's no obligation to sign a, another year's uh, deal. He's getting paid a massive amount for... I mean, he's getting paid probably twice as much as the next best paid um, Nottingham Forest player. There's talks of it being, you know, 180 grand a week, and there's, there's other... You know, Forest fans are trying to tell people that it's it's only eighty grand a week or whatever it is. It's still way out of line with with what they're um, what they're paying. You know, the likes of of Joe Worrell and Mark Yates. You know, they're, they're getting paid pennies compared to Lingard. But they're the risk you need to take if you want to stay in the Premier League. They've they've signed I think it's nine players or or eight or nine players this summer so far, and between them all, they've got thirteen Premier League appearances, outfielders. So if if you disregard Dean Henderson and Wayne Hennessy, who by the way only one of them can play, and it's probably going to be the lesser experience of the two. Only Nico Williams, who they've signed, has got any Premier League experience, and he's played thirteen games. So the rest of them haven't got any experience at all. So signing someone like Lingard, who's been there, um, hasn't really been in a relegation fight too many times. Um, and they, if this, if that's what Forrester are, are gonna do, then you know you need everyone to roll the roll the sleeves up and get stuck in and. You know, it's a good signing for them, but I'm I'm just a bit weird about the fact that Lingard has been ruling himself out of so many moves because of money, and then comes to Forest for a one year only, gets paid a, a huge signing on fee. There's been reports that that's fifteen million quid, um, and then taking the wages and. I'm not sure how bothered he is if they go down. That's that's all I would be worried about if I was Forrest. But as of the stature of the signing, it's, it's massive for them. It's the biggest in their history, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a good point in general when it comes to the risks 
that Forrest will have needed to take. I think the goalkeeping thing that you mentioned there is interesting as well. Hennessy and Henderson, obviously there's a World Cup coming up in which Hennessy will want to be the number one for Wales, of which he is at the moment. Him and, and Danny Ward really, isn't it? It's kind of between those two. Ward is second choice at Leicester, but Hennessy will want to get some serious game time in before the World Cup. And Dean Henderson isn't going to Nottingham Forest just to sit on the bench like you know he could have done that at Manchester United so I think that's really interesting but let's focus on the Lingard thing again do you think he will be a difference maker to Nottingham Forest do you think he's still got that in his locker Joel to be the potential difference between them staying up scoring those crucial goals making those important assists when it does come to survival because that's what Forest need let's not make any bones about it I think it's quite hard to tell right now because as we've seen in the last year, he's been pretty much inactive for a year, which can have some pretty big impacts on a player's abilities, especially on the back of, I think it was nine goals in 16 games for West Ham just prior to coming back to United, all that mess around, you know, false promises with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and being on the bench and not really getting a move to West Ham. But I think in this occasion... I think the fans who will be the most annoyed with this will be West Ham fans and and I'm trying to understand their perspective in this because obviously he had such a good period with them um, just prior to them having that amazing season last year where they got to the final of the Europa League and um, had a pretty good Premier League finish and some of them just wondered whether you know Lingard may have been that missing extra piece that could have took them one step further potentially in the Europa League or even in the Premier League but for me, I think the worst part is that one-year deal. It just shows to me, like, his agent has probably shopped him around all summer trying to find the biggest payout with the biggest clubs, um, you know, like Inter Milan, Juventus, all of these different options. And they've settled on, and, and I mean no disrespect to Forrest because they are a big club, but reality is they're not a big team. They're probably one of the favourites to go down next year. That's just realistic bottom line. And for me, the fact that he's only committed to one year and he'll probably be in the same situation again next year, I don't know what the ploy is with that. Like, why would you not commit yourself to that club then for the next two to three years, sign like a three-year contract? Is he waiting to see if if they go down, but then he's going to be part of that team that goes down? So surely he deserves... To... It's, it's, it's a really complicated one. Obviously, um, Nottingham have offered... Everyone, I basically took everyone out of the water in terms of how much they want to offer him. And I think West Ham fans will be quite annoyed at the fact that they thought that Lingard had a good affiliation with West Ham, um, taking trying to take them to the next level. Maybe annoyed at West Ham for not offering him the amount of money that he's wanted. But for a one-year deal, I just think it's pretty, pretty embarrassing, if I'm honest. I just feel like his agent is maybe pushing him down a road of having to go through the same thing next year and just really squeezing every little last cent out of his career, which I'd, I'd just, for a player of his calibre, I feel like it'd be good for him to be at a place long-term and just commit to a side. So I think it's just a case of getting his stock up at Nottingham, showing other clubs that he has still got a lot of juice in the tank because, as we've said, his stock's probably not as high at the moment compared to this time last year on the back of that West Ham season. So I think it's literally a case of putting himself in the advertisement window again, hoping that he recreates that form. And then this time next year, he'll be talking to maybe bigger clubs or getting bigger contracts somewhere else. 
Um, so it's an interesting one, but for for Nottingham, I think it's it's a great deal just because he's a is a seasoned player, and we've seen at West Ham he can do it in the Premier League to a pretty high level. Is Jesse Lingard a mercenary? That's the question, I suppose. If we boil it down, let us know on social media at FSD Pod is our new Twitter handle, so get over there and follow that. But as Joel mentioned, the last time he showed some real good form was when he was on loan at West Ham, and thankfully we've got a West Ham fan as part of our ranks here at Football Social Daily. Our very own Jim Sal reacted to the news that Lingard had ditched the hammers for Forrest yesterday. Let's hear what he had to say. Currently sitting in my car in a rainy Manchester. Can you hear the rain? Anyway, um, I've just heard the news about Jesse Lingard rejecting West Ham and going to Nottingham Forest. I'm not on the podcast tomorrow, but I wanted to share my view. This will come across as sour grapes, being a West Ham fan who's just missed out on a player that most West Ham fans, I think, probably wanted. But I think he... I'm on record as saying I didn't think he should come back to West Ham. I thought his loan period would be difficult to live up to again. But putting that aside for one moment, it's a decision that I think says a lot about Jesse Lingard and doesn't say a lot about him in a positive light either. Fair play Nottingham Forest. I think they've got themselves a player that could be the difference between staying up and going down if he's on form. And they've done a decent job in terms of getting him on a one-year deal as well, if that's true. Because if they do end up getting relegated, he's not then going to eat into their parachute payments that they'll get when they go down. But if you were Jesse Lingard and you had to make a decision on the future of yourself as a footballer, would you choose Nottingham Forest over West Ham and European football? If it was purely a footballing decision, I'm not sure you would. And I think what he's thinking potentially is he plays a season at Nottingham Forest... He does really well and then he's in that situation where he's a free transfer again and one of the big four clubs is going to come in and the Champions League club's going to come in for him. That's just not the case. He's made a massive deal on social media about wanting to be loved and that was the the big thing for him, was wanting to feel wanted. And I think West Ham did that. The West Ham fans did that. And he's turned his back on that and he's gone purely for the money. And it's not a footballing decision, it's a financial decision, which is fair enough. If that's the decision he wants to make, you can make a financial decision. He's a professional, professionals have a short-lived career, make the call that makes you the most money. But do not make a big song and dance about the fact you're doing it for footballing reasons or you're doing it because you want to feel loved by the fans because that is 100% not the case. So it could work out to be a fantastic decision for him, but I have my doubts and I hope, beyond hope, that when in 12 months time we're in this situation again and Jesse Lingard is a free transfer, West Ham do not try and sign him again. Good luck, Jesse Lingard, you TikTok twat. <laughs> Jim pulling no punches there. That it was all it was all very measured until the end, wasn't it? You know, if, I thought oh, I was keeping it keeping yeah. it in here, but there we go. Yeah, he said this is going to sound like sour grapes. <laughs> Made a really good point and then just completely teed off on him at the end there. (laughs) But the point that Jim was trying to make was that we've heard noises from the Lingard camp and the Lingard representatives that the reason he wanted to move to Forest or wherever he wanted to go was for footballing reasons. Jim isn't convinced. Joel's kind of touched upon it, Marley. You know, do do you agree? Is it for footballing reasons or is it for purely financial reasons? I'm conflicted, really, because I'm I'm thinking now, like... Look, I, I don't like the decision. I, I don't like that it's a year's contract. It's it's very mercenary. Um, sort of seems like a, a bit a bit of a mercenary move. Like you know, pay me the most. I'll try and 
I'll come and play for you, and then I'll probably leave in a year, and I, I might go somewhere else if somebody wants me, if you know, if, if if a bigger club wants me or or whatever. But I was also thinking, like, as a as a challenge, like this is huge for Lingard. Like, if he if he went to Nottingham Forest and kept them up, like he, he gets you know ten goals and fifteen assists from midfield or whatever it may be, if he keeps them up, it's it's a huge like thing for his CV. Like, he's the best player at Forest now. You know, they've signed... I think they've signed some terrible players this summer, I'm going to be honest. I don't think any of them are, are, would scare anyone at all. I think the, the striker they've signed is is average. I think the, the players they had are average. So basically, the what I'm saying is he's he's the best player. He's, you know, he's going to be the one who, who's relied on every week. And if he can do that, I think this is... It puts something sort of on his football in CV that is... That is sort of different like not many players go to poor teams in somewhere near their prime like he's probably past his prime but we don't know that because he didn't play so um you know if if he went there and did it it's you know it's like it's I huge think that like, earns it, him more respect and stock with fans though rather than you know i don't think a top six club in italy is going to go oh let's sign jesse lingard because he kept forest up in the premier league i think it's more something that earns him yeah, kudos but, with supporters. But I could see him if if it all goes wrong this season, like if if Forest go down and Lingard's then a free agent, I can see him just going to MLS and being, you know, getting in, involved with the culture over there and all his all his videos and his personality seems to suit the American market quite well. So I think he's always got that move, and he has for the next four or five years, if we're honest, because he's you know he's nearly thirty now. If you go and play at the end of this season for DC United and link up with Wayne Rooney again. You know, you, all of a sudden you get paid their their overseas one of their overseas uh, salary cap dodging uh, wages. You can make good money there, and I think he's he's been sort of clever about this. And you know, I I almost say like you know, fair play to go in there if if it works. It's it's something that not many players have ever done. Um, but will it work? I I can't see it working. I can't see Forest staying up as as it is now. Um, but having said that, they've got the best manager and they've probably signed the best player out of out of any of the promoted sides so far. Do you know, I was looking at this the other day thinking someone soon is going to ask me at the start of the season who my tips are to go down. And I think this is the first time in a while where I think we genuinely could see the three newly promoted teams all go down. I think Fulham, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth are all at the biggest risk of relegation. I think there's there's a bunch that could go down. I think Everton are in trouble. I well, think yeah. uh, Southampton are in trouble. I've, there's there's plenty. Brentford could could slide down without Ericsson. It's yeah, yeah. I think it's wide open at the bottom. I think it's wide open for the top four as well. I think there's a lot of changes happening at the top end and the bottom end of the Premier League. Um, but that big news that we've led the podcast with today is that Jesse Lingard has signed for Nottingham Forest. West Ham United said they didn't want a bidding war. Well, they haven't got one because he has decided to put pen to paper at the city ground. Marley mentioned about how Everton could be in trouble next season. They've already lost significantly in pre-season over the last few days. We'll talk about Everton's struggles last season and how they might fare next after this on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. 
We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show. Every single day of the football season, a brand new podcast for you. The campaign kicking off on the 6th of August for 22-23. Now, on a lot of podcasts last season, we were talking about just how badly Everton were doing. They ended up staving off relegation, but it was, for some, probably the worst season that they can remember supporting Everton, or at least even watching Everton as a neutral. And things haven't really improved in the pre-season period. The Toffees were beaten 4-0 by Minnesota United, the MLS side, earlier this week. Frank Lampard said after the game that he and his players have to be better to avoid relegation. Well, they couldn't really have been much worse, Joel, last season. They managed to stay up. They had a couple of really important results towards the end of the campaign, but they weren't good. They weren't good to watch. The confidence had completely sapped out of them. How at risk are they again this season? Because although it's only a pre-season game, that 4-0 loss, it certainly doesn't breed confidence to lose like that how at risk do you think they might be of another struggle this season yeah I think well first and foremost I don't think pre-season's a good gauge to see how well you're going to do because even though it's Minnesota they are halfway through their MLS season so they're going to be in way better shape than Everton are but it is I'm sure Lampard's not looking at it that way he's thinking we've probably got the biggest uphill battle in the Premier League next season especially like you say just by the skin of their teeth being able to stay in the Premier League, but also next season having to do it without Richarlison, who was kind of their their talisman for many po- at many points of the of the season. But I think if I was an Everton fan, I'm not quite sure I would even trust Lampard and whoever. I'm not sure who the new sporting director is, but I wouldn't trust him and, and Lampard to spend that sixty million reinvesting it on players because currently it's not gone to plan at all. Like I've always mentioned on the podcast. Donny van der Beek and Deli Ali were absolute disasters in terms of transfers when they were in the situation that they were in. Um, and now they've got to replace someone who, although he didn't get an incredible amount of goals, probably like 10 a season, Richarlison offered more to the Everton side than meets the eye. And I think trying to replace that is going to be such a difficult task when you're not really in the biggest bargaining position as Everton are right now. Um, and if I'm quite frank, and this is pun intended, <laughs> I wouldn't trust Lampard being uh, held responsible with that 60 million reinvesting it. And I don't really know who they can actually go and get because what does 60 million buy you in today's market? Richarlison for 60 million is ridiculously excessive. And then if they go back, I mean, in, you lose goals, don't you, with that, Joel? You lose Richarlison, you lose aggression, you lose goal involvements. Dominic Calvert Lewin wasn't really fit for most of last season so you got him coming into the new season pretty cold and trying to pick up the slack left by Richarlison so it's not easy to figure out 
Yeah, you lo- you lose like I mentioned, you lose more than what meets the eye of Richarlison. Um, but I think that Dominic Calvert Lewin is there kind of ace in the sleeves if he can reproduce that form that he did a couple of years ago where he got, I think, 16 Premier League goals. I think that is their kind of weapon that they need working for them quickly because his fought, well, he basically got himself into the England side and was really rivaling Harry Kane at one point and now he just seems to be, his stock seems to be at an all-time low, obviously given due to injuries, which is unfortunate, but he needs to start fixing up quite fi- uh, fu- uh, quite. F- quickly but I think again they've only signed James Tarkowski and then a few loan signings and that's not good enough for a a side who needs to really push on from last season so I think it's going to be quite worrying signs for Everton fans at the moment um, because they're not bringing in the players that are needed to actually improve they're not improved at all if anything they've gone down from last season they've downgraded um, so if I'm honest, I would probably hedge my bets at Lampard being one of the first managers to be sacked next season, just because I really do not see them pushing on. Um, I know there's another, what, two to three weeks left of the transfer window, but judging from the activity that I'm seeing, I just don't think, and I don't trust Everton to manage that money well. Even when Marcel Brand isn't in charge of it, I don't trust them to allocate it to the right players. So I'd be massively surprised if he lasts past Christmas time, I think. Do you know what? I'm quite sceptical when it comes to pre-season results and particularly post-match press conference quotes as well. Like that Lampard quote I read out a few minutes ago saying that he and his players have to be better to avoid relegation. Well, yeah, obviously, Frank, um, because you were rubbish last year. I mean, it's one of those things that kind of sometimes just comes out when you're trying to placate the press, I think, in a press conference. That is not anything that he's saying there that would make me feel, even as a neutral, with a with a fondness for Everton, I must say. I do like the club and I, I think they're a historic club and they deserve better. Um, but that wouldn't make me feel like they're going to improve. And you're right, Joel, midway through their season are, are Minnesota United and they've beaten Everton 4-0 and pre-season results don't really matter. We hear that a lot, Marley. Pre-season fixtures and results don't matter. It's all about fitness in the legs. But they do matter, don't they? Because the fans will be thinking, oh my gosh, we're getting beaten here by a side that we should really be beating regardless of the fact that they're halfway through a season. And the confidence levels... Even if you just say as a manager, listen, don't worry, lads, it's only pre-season. It's literally a friendly. It means nothing. If we had lost 4-0 on the opening day, I'd be more concerned. You can say that 100 times as a manager and 99 times. The players won't really accept that because no one likes to lose. These are all competitive people. It's never nice to lose, particularly by that margin. So people that say they don't matter the results in pre-season, they do in a way, don't they? Yeah, I, I, I think they do because, you know, it's one thing having a run around and losing sort of one nil or two one with a with a much changed team and you know having giving sort of everybody half an hour or forty five minutes to get the fitness up. Like when Liverpool lost to Man United at four nil, you know, um last week. It was an obvious reason why, you know, you looked at Liverpool's side and gone, I don't even recognise six of these players. Like they're all teenagers, they're all under eighteens. And it and it looked like that. But the one thing that I think about this Everton side is they played their strongest 11 from the start and they were 3-0 down at half time to an MLS side and we all have our own thoughts on the MLS whether it's uh, you know whether we take it seriously or not or, or what level they are compared to the English pyramid of the is it as good as the championship is it as good as some people say league 1 some people think it's a, as good as the lower half of the premier league but the fact that Minnesota United who were only formed in 2017 
have just turned up and absolutely smashed Everton to pieces is is worrying. Like you can't for me, you can't finish the season by scraping survival and then go into pre season and get battered and not think, Jesus, here we go again. Like it's it's just it's the confidence will be through the floor, as you say, you know. And they'll be looking around going, Well, who've we signed? And James Tarkowski is at the other end of the pitch putting the ball in his own net against Minnesota. Like the, he's the only player they've signed. Um as far as I know, I don't think they're too close to any other. I think they're trying to get Maxwell Corne from Burnley, which which will be a decent enough signing, but they need more than that. They need they need to spend the sixty million and they need to get everything right because they need to replace the goals of Rich Allison. They need to uh, have a, a solid backup to Dominic Calvert-Lewin because um, I think they've only got one striker at the club um, and it's him and he spent most of the last year injured, like you said before. And I just think it's, uh, it's, it's panic stations already for Everton because I think, yes, it's about fitness and, and about, you know, a kickabout in pre-season to get the, the legs warm and the legs going again. But when you've been so poor for the last six months and then you you start again and you get beat 4-0 by a side you should not be getting beat 4-0 by it doesn't matter who plays um it, it's gonna stick in the headlet that it's gonna be like oh god you know here we go again are we gonna survive this season and, and they'll be nervous and there'll be no confidence in that squad and no matter what frank lampard says and and what he's done in his career it doesn't translate well enough to to say look lads we'll be fine um, because there's no, there's, you can't say that with any certainty. Yeah, and I think actually, what Everton fans, I'm guessing here, and I've spoken to a couple, but it has varied slightly. I'm guessing what Everton fans would be happy with next season is something akin to what Crystal Palace had last term, where they didn't really pull up any trees in terms of uh, knocking teams about and beating them four or five nil and stuff like that. But they had a consistent season. They changed the style of play. They were tougher to beat. They finished twelfth as they often do, Crystal Palace in that mid-table region. But the fans of Palace are much more um, pleased, much more impressed, much happier, much more satisfied with how things are going under Patrick Vieira, even though, you know, the the results are kind of similar and the positioning is similar to what they had under Roy Hodgson. Under Vieira, new manager, they've got this new identity and they they quite enjoy that. So I think if Everton can finish in that mid-table region. They're not going to finish top 10, I don't think. But if they can finish in that mid-table region and, and kind of avoid relegation by a comfortable margin, 9, 10 points, something like that, I think that the fans will need to be happy with that, considering how poorly they played last season in the Premier League. But I think it is worth pointing out once again that we don't normally do this during pre-season, pick out random results and go to town on a team. But with Everton and the, the sort of situation surrounding them at the moment, I think it was one that certainly stuck out more than most. We're going to move back on to transfers next on Football Social Daily. Manchester City and Brighton. Ben Mee has joined Brentford. And the Daily Mail have carried a report from Spain saying that Frankie de Jong really doesn't like Manchester. We'll get stuck into it next after this. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget to follow us on our new Twitter page at FSD pod you can find all the latest information to do with the podcast there back to seven days a week very very soon when the premier league season kicks off again it's come round fast hasn't it 22 23 is almost upon us and will there be another new manchester city player in the ranks at the etihad when that season kicks off they're trying to sign mark kukurea the spanish left back from brighton 30 million pounds city bid yesterday joel that was rejected as brighton want 50 million pounds for the defender man city say they don't think he's worth that. Brighton say we're not selling him unless it's 50 million. What are your thoughts on this one? Do you think we could have a few more back and forths between now and the start of the season? Uh, we've seen this story so many times where a bigger club, well, not a bigger club, a bigger team, shall we say, um, goes in for a player who's one of the best players at a lower club. Um, and then there's always a massive discrepancy over how much the, the, the player is actually worth. And from what it looks like, Kukurea is feeling as though he's been priced out of a move just because he's only been there for one year. But I think it just shows just how good he is to be there. I think they signed him for 15 million. And to go that much up in value in in Brighton's eyes just shows how good he was last season. I think he got their player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So it just shows what a top player he is and the reason why Pep Guardiola wants him as his main left-back. I think the only... Issue here, I think it's the same issue as Declan Rice, what he finds himself in, which is that he's not a £100 million player, he's not even an £80 million player, but to West Ham he is. And that's the, the same goes for Brighton. For, for, he's not a £50 million player, but for Brighton he is a vital cog in their side and one of the best players, if not their most talented player. So for Manchester City, I mean, they're not shy to spend 50 million on a fullback. I think majority of their fullbacks have cost that over the years. Um... And it'll be, I think it'll be one, and judging from what's coming out of this whole story, is that City are not prepared to just flippantly pay the 50 million and get him in. It seems as though with this one, they're going to be a little bit more calculated and negotiate a little bit more towards what they feel is a fair price. I don't believe 50 million will be met, maybe in terms of add-ons potential, like 40 million plus add-ons, which will probably be met considering the trajectory that City team are on at the moment. But... I think he's just he's a sure fit for that Guardiola side. He, he plays the way in which a, a left-back for his sides would typically play. So technical, reads the game so well, and he's still so young as well. Um, so it'll be an interesting one how that plays out, but I think Brighton will eventually get their way regardless just because he, he just fits the profile extremely well for, for what Guardiola's looking for. Whether they stump up the 50 million, I don't think so, but I'm sure it'll creep towards that point. Um, it's just a game of negotiation, isn't it? But 30 million is way, way wide of what Brighton will be looking for. Obviously, Marley Zinchenko's been sold to Arsenal, so there is a space there for a left-back. But Pep Guardiola said in a pre-season press conference the other day that you know, if they don't sign Kukurea, it's not the end of the world. They've still got Joao Cancelo. And let's face it, is Kukurea going to force Cancelo out of the side? Probably not on a more often than not basis. And they've also got other players. I think there's a young lad called Josh Wilson-Esbrand who can play in left-back position. We know what Guardiola's like at moulding players into different positions. He loves ch- turning someone into a left-back. And uh, newspaper reports today I've read this morning say that there are other options on the table for Manchester City. So it's understandable that Kukurea is the one they want but who holds the cards here who has the power is it Manchester City or is it Brighton 
I think it's it's still Brighton. Um, you know, as, as we've said, he's he's under contract. He's only been there a year. He's uh, he's he's playing well. I think the the team as well. You know, Brighton have just finished in the highest ever position in the history. You know, um, in terms of league position. So the club's going in the right direction. There's a good manager there. Nothing's changed to to make Cucurella like think. Um, except the the lure of playing for Man uh, playing for Man City and playing for Pep Guardiola. It's it's a big thing, especially for a Spanish player as well. You know, he's um, he's obviously gonna grown up watching Guardiola and and watching his his teams. You know, his his all conquering Barcelona team of sort of two thousand ten two thousand twelve. It's it's something that will attract any player. Um, so I think I can see this. I can see the move happening, but only if Cucurella says, "Like, look, you've you've got to let me go here." But I think after you've been there for a year, I'm not sure that's the right time to say it. Um, so I can see them having to pay pay closer to what Brighton Brighton uh, demand because Brighton have have, have got good. Uh, well, they've shown that they've got decent scouting uh, network. They they picked up Cucurella for for fifteen million, which was a bit of a a bargain, really, because he was probably the best left back in La Liga last season. Well, the season before last, I should say. Um, and it was a a bit of a a shock that nobody else wanted him because he was clear. He was he was way better when he was playing for Getafe. He was, you know, way better than what Getafe had. He was the clear standout player in that squad by a mile. Um, so it was maybe a bit of a um, bit of a surprise. Someone like Man City couldn't come in for him then and say like, "Look, this he's going to be our squad player for," and we got him for twelve, fifteen million. But as is as is the way with Man City, <laughs> it tends to be like we'll go and sign your best player, and he's going to be a squad player for us. That's just the the level Man City are at. If you look at everybody, they spent a hundred million on Grealish last year, and you know there he's not getting in the team every week. He's he's sort of part of rotation and. It's it's just a different level at City, so they are going to have to spend through the nose. But they are they're not they're no strangers to that. They've they've had to do it before, and if they feel like he's worth it, they will do it because they've got the cash there ready to go. Um, but yeah, Cucurella's uh, I think it'd be a decent signing for them to be fair, all things considered. So it's uh, it just depends whether City want to get the checkbook out again. Yeah, I think it reminds me a little bit of one of those European goods markets where the seller wants 50 million, you're offering 30, and you just know you're going to meet in the middle somewhere. 40 million, that'll do it. Cheers. You've got a really good deal there, mate. That sort of thing. <laughs> Feels like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Man City have bid 30 million for Kukurea. Brighton want 50. They've rejected it. I'm sure we'll see more on that story throughout the course of the next couple of weeks. Do you know what one one more thing is? I would not pay 50 million for a player that got out-sprinted by Jacob Murphy for a goal against Newcastle last season. <laughs> I think <laughs> I it's his hair th- that makes I, him look quicker. Yeah, it really is, honestly. I thought he was really quick. And it was, uh, if you watch, uh, if you ever see that goal again, uh, Ryan Fraser scored the goal, but it was a, it was one of them through balls where it was just a straight foot race between Murphy and Cucurella. And I thought, oh, Cucurella's pretty quick here. He's, he's going to cover. But he takes such like little strides and was like, you know, like a like a, a wind-up sort of robot and you, you sort of pull it back and let it go. And it sort of like looks really busy as it runs. He was like one of them. And then Murphy just like sprinted, out sprinted him from about two yards behind and just burned him. And I thought, oh, he's actually quite slow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Will he be a Manchester City player? Certainly Pep wants him, but Brighton aren't willing to let him go for 30 million. That's the latest on that one. A done deal is that Ben Mee, the former Burnley captain, has joined Brentford on a free transfer. Got some significant Premier League experience. He's got some England experience as well on the international stage, Joel. You'll think that he'll tighten up the Bees' defence, who conceded 56 goals last season but when you look at the statistics that's the ninth most so around mid-table so it's actually not too bad particularly for a promoted side regardless of those statistics Ben Mee you'd think will improve their defence yeah he's been in um, many a relegation fight in his time at Burnley so he's 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 been around that avenue quite a lot Um, but I mean when you look at for example James Tuckhouse going to Everton Ben Mee going to Nottingham they're both I feel like the the profile that both of those clubs need, which is that they kind of resounded to knowing that next season is going to be a bit of a battle. They do need players who have been there before, um, who are pretty much seasoned pros. I think that's one of the main goals of a relegated side coming up to just have that little bit of Premier League experience, but not ones that are over the hill like we've seen in the past. Where you know, for example, that QPR side where they just wanted to sign anyone and everyone um, who'd played in the Premier League, but they ended up on huge contracts and it just didn't end well. Um, but I think for for uh, for Brentford, I think it's just a very shrewd signing. I think their signings have all been very very smart and calculated, as we saw with, for example, Ericsson when no other side wanted to sign him or take a gamble on him, they were the only side in Europe, which baffles me, obviously aside from Serie A sides, um, who were willing to take him on. And it turned out to be one that has pretty much helped keep them in the Premier League. So I think for Brentford, this is the best part for them and their fans is the fact that they're such a well-run club and the recruitment is, well, judging from last season, has been very, very good. So Ben Mee can only add very good experience to that defence, shore it up a little bit. He knows relegation fights. He's been under Sean Dyche, um, so he knows about defending a little bit. And I think it'll just be someone who can potentially lower that 56-goal mark, which, although it's the ninth most, which isn't appalling, I'm sure they'll want to definitely shore that up because next season, as both of you have uh, mentioned Next season is going to be one where there could be six, seven teams all really dragged into that race. So I think defensively, they're going to want to shore up if they're not going to be on the ball as much, considering Ericsson's not in the middle to um, to dictate the play. So I think it's a good start, but Brentford still need a little bit more to make sure they can try and improve on their position from last season. Yeah, I mean, 56 goals sounds like a lot of goals to concede. But as I said, the ninth most, and I was looking at some of the other figures, and I think Leeds conceded upwards of 70 goals. Newcastle conceded more than 60. Manchester United conceded 57. So, I mean, although it seems like actually ninth most isn't too bad, to concede close to 60 goals, I think, is going to land you in a bit of trouble. I think last season might have been a bit of an anomaly statistically, but certainly Ben Mears is a decent defender who's got experience in the top division, so he'll know what he's doing. And he's joined Brentford on a free transfer. Now we're going to tackle a story which comes from Spain, but it's been carried by the Daily Mail on the back pages today in the UK. And it's to do with longtime Manchester United target Frankie de Jong, the Dutch midfielder who plays for Barcelona, doesn't want to join Manchester United. We've heard this story right throughout the summer because he wants to stay in Barcelona. He likes the city of Barcelona. I think he's owed some money and wages by Barcelona as well. So there's a few things there to unpick. But this latest report says Marley, he doesn't like the city of Manchester and thinks the club are poorly run. I mean, that's a pretty brutal line if it's true. I feel slightly attacked as someone who lives in Manchester that he doesn't like it. Come on, Frankie, cut us a bit of slack, mate. 
he's clearly never been to uh, down the Printworks or a night out or something, has he? Never or signed Piccadilly Gardens. <laughs> Do you want to know something, right? When I first moved to Manchester, I spoke to Jim and I said, uh, you know, where's good for a night out in Manchester? Because I'd never really been here. I'd only been to Manchester a few times. And he was like... Well, there are a few good places, but if there's one thing you should do, never go for a night out in the print work. And that is one of the first things that Jim ever said to me, and I still haven't been, yeah, so I'm, I'm holding him to it. It's pretty that. rubbish, to be fair. He's, he's not leading you astray there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe Frankie Dion's looked at all these vegan places popping up in uh, Northern Quarter and going, that's not for me. I want, uh, I want my culture a bit more like Amsterdam or Barcelona, but... I don't know if if I, I'm struggling to believe it because where would it have come from? Like you know, who how was a how was a newspaper got to this um, this conclusion in the heat of everything going on? Like I'd, it's not something that would like it's just not something that would that would happen. You know, if if if, if De Jong's got a fifty fifty chance of staying at Barca or going to Man United, he's not going to tell someone that he hates the city of Manchester when he's never really been there before. He's, you know, he's he's probably he's been for games and stuff, but he's not he's not lived there. I tried it. I think it's doesn't seem like a, a very him thing to write something off before, you know, before it's even potentially manifested itself into a deal and he actually moves there. It's uh, it's strange, but um, yeah, I mean, as if you look at the the other part of what he said with uh, Man United a, a poorly run, I think even the the most staunch hard. Man United fan in the world could would could agree with that and say, you know what, he's got a point there. So maybe that's more of a more of a a sort of reason as to why he's he's said something like this or reportedly said something like this. But yeah, I can't see uh, I can't see him just writing off a move because he doesn't really like the place when he's he's not really been here. Yeah, I think that it's probably one of those press stories where he likes Barcelona loves the city, likes the club, owed some money. You know, you flip that on its head and all of a sudden that means he hates Manchester, hates Manchester United. And that's kind of the way things are. It's almost the binary nature of the way things are reported, particularly on social media these days. You're the Manchester United fan among us, Joel. What do you make of this? Is it a concern for you that if you do end up signing Frankie de Jong, who, let's face it, Eric Ten Hag really wants him in his midfield. This is the player that he's willing to bide his time over. We're now sort of two weeks from the start of the new Premier League season and you still haven't got any midfield additions, aside from Christian Eriksen, of course, who's a, who's a good creative player. But for someone to anchor that midfield, Frankie de Jong is who Manchester United and who Ten Hag in particular wants. But when you hear a player and noises coming from their camp saying that they don't really want to play for the club, that must be concerning. I know it's professional football and things change, but that must be concerning for you as a supporter, no? Yeah, let me throw my two cents into this story because it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> I've been waiting patiently for this one. I'm sorry, but he doesn't <laughs> like the city of Manchester. Who likes Barcelona Beach over Piccadilly Gardens or La Bacaria, <laughs> the marketplace over... The Arndale Centre's little food court. Are you serious? <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's a load of rubbish. It's all smoke and mirrors. This story. I'm I'm surprised it's gone on for this long now. We're approaching two months in. Um, well, firstly, I think the biggest part of that story thinks the club are run poorly. I mean, if the if the boot fits, Barcelona are one of the most poorly run clubs I think I can think of in Europe at the moment, selling their future revenues just to basically keep themselves afloat and keep themselves in the conversation. Um, it's it's a story which there's just a hell of a lot of 
inner club politics involved. And I don't think United banked on it being this complicated when they first became interested in De Jong. Um, I think Laporta is trying to pressure De Jong into doing something that he's perfectly entitled not to do. He's contracted. It's there in ink. He signed a big contract with Barcelona just two years ago. And he's perfectly entitled to stay and earn that money. So I think there's a lot of who's going to blink first in this scenario. I think Barcelona are banking on United to pay. But I think the bottom line is United, I would hope, I would hope, are not staying in a deal for a player who clearly does not want to move. I'm sure that they've had some sort of encouragement somewhere. I would hope. I hope they're not naive to think that, you know, they're trying to force him out and eventually the pressure will crack and he'll just force a move out. I think his agents are playing a pretty smart game in knowing that if they speak out and say, we want to move or, you know, he's not happy here, then the whole story around his salary starts to basically fall and collapse like a house of cards. So I think there's a lot to deal with. And judging from Ten Hag's comments about how important this midfield signing is and him pretty much saying that if we don't get Frankie de Jong then I'm fine with with carrying on with um, who I have just because Frankie de Jong is so specialised for what he wants to do with that midfield then I think they're happy to just stay and wait and buy the time otherwise I think they would have moved on quite a long time ago and just moved on to targets which would have been a little bit easier to obtain for example and I don't I don't think it's the right option but you know Telemans or uh, Ruben Neves I don't think they're anywhere close to being what De Jong is, but I'm sure Ten Hag is pretty much not wanting to go for an alternative, which isn't the same quality. And for me, I'm happy with that too, but our midfield is just a gaping hold of lack of quality at the moment, which does worry me. If I, if you want my personal opinion, I don't think it happens just because um, I think it's gone on way too long now. I think Barcelona are really dragging the heels in this, trying to pressure. And if they can't pressure him, well then... Frankie de Jong and his team are in the driving seat. They've signed a contract. doesn't matter how much it is, they're perfectly entitled to it. And Laporta cannot do anything about it. So it's a long one, but I just don't see it happening, to be honest. And Barcelona have been spending money as well. So I guess the pressure's on them to try and offload some of their players to kind of fill that gap of the money they've spent. Because only a few months ago, we were being told that they needed half a billion to save the club and now the debt's been restructured and it looks like they might be able to stave that off for a little bit. Who knows what's going on over there in Catalonia, but you've stolen my final question, which was, do you think it's going to happen? And it sounds like the answer's no, so we'll leave it there for today's Football Social Daily. Appreciate your time as ever, Marley and Joel. Don't forget, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another show. We will be back again with a new one on Monday and then we are only a matter of two weeks away from the start of the new Premier League season. We've got some exciting things and some exciting and guests lined up for you for the course of the new Premier League campaign so if you hit subscribe that way you won't miss an episode of this show the only daily Premier League podcast when the season begins so we'll see you for that we'll see you Monday before that though have a good weekend we'll catch you after that Football's Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk